Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316, mainly because we're located on Highway 316. If you're local, come check us out. Our Sunday service is at 1030. You can learn more about the church, our mission, vision, directions, by visiting our church website, which is calvary316.com. Regardless of where you're listening, I do hope you stay with me over the next hour as we seek to deconstruct the negative perception that the world has of Christians by boldly, brashly, honestly discussing things that are relevant in an honest and genuine way. I'm, I'm glad to be joined again by a wayward traveler, my friend Creighton Vaughn. Creighton, welcome back to the show. It is good to be back. I feel like I've been gone forever. Absolutely. Well, the reason you feel as though you've been gone forever is that you have been. Not all your fault entirely. Let's factor in the reality that uh, uh, we took a little bit of a summer hiatus, played some some goodies, right, some oldies, yeah. but goodies. And then we also had a series of interviews uh, with David Guzik, Ryan Bomberger, Karen Pulley uh, about abortion, also episodes that you weren't uh, able right. to be in. So none of this is exactly your fault. And then in the course of time, uh, you got a new job. Uh, that has um, been intense, to say the least. Very intense, but so, it's been good. So we're working on getting a schedule. You're an important part of the show. We're incorporating you. And uh, and today's episode, I think, is going to be fun. It's going to be fun because this will be the episode before Halloween. Okay, so it's coming out like the, the weekend before? The or? weekend before. So cool. everything gets a little staggered with how the episodes get released. Uh, we right. record mainly for radio. Uh, that's our primary mode. Uh, that being said, everything then gets duplicated for a podcast. Right, so that millennials can listen to it. So that millennials can listen to it. <laughs> uh, what is cool is this this episode will air on radio 100% across all of our platforms, all of the networks that carry the show, the weekend before Halloween. That's, that's true. More than likely, we'll podcast this either the week before or literally the Monday before. Right. Either way, this episode, however you're listening, you're hearing it, unless something catastrophic has happened. <laughs> before Halloween. You know, as a Christian, uh, I know very little about Halloween. Um, like, kind of prepping for this episode, the, th- the things I thought I knew about Halloween weren't fully true. Right. And a lot of what Halloween is, I didn't, I didn't really know anything about. That makes sense to me. I also know very little about Halloween. Kind of one of those things, like we do an episode every year about Christmas where we kind of really unpack, like, where does the idea of Santa Claus come from? Why do we put up Christmas trees? Uh, we're celebrating Jesus' birth, but there's so many things unrelated to his birth that's incorporated into this holiday. Why? Like the bunny on Easter. The bunny on Easter. All of these things, uh, there are reasons and explanations for, but we just kind of go along in our merry way. We do these things. They're part of our lives. They're part of our culture, um, and, and we don't ever really know why. Right. Um, the context is neither here nor there for us. <laughs> Very much neither here nor there. And so I did a little research today about, about Halloween. Uh, are you curious? Are you interested in this? Absolutely. So the origins of Halloween. Uh, now, it wasn't called Halloween in its like original manifestation. But it really dates back, and this blew my mind, it dates back 2,000 or so years. That's how far back this particular holiday uh, traces. It goes back actually to the ancient Celtic festival of Sowen. Now, if you Google Sowen, you're going to look at the way it's spelled and you're going to be like, he's mispronouncing it. I'm not. 
<laughs> the Celtic language is bizarre, and I worked really hard to make sure that in front of a national audience, I didn't mispronounce this particular word. So it's actually spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but it's pronounced Soan. Interesting. It's a very interesting thing. So this ancient festival, Celtic festival, Soan, dates back 2,000 years. Now, in case... Um, people don't know where the Celtic people originated. Which a lot of people probably don't. Do you have any idea where the Celts? I know it's either Ireland, Scotland, or something in the UK somewhere. You're actually very, very close. You're spot on. Ireland, the United Kingdom, Wales, Scotland, etc. And Northern France. You you lump in uh, Northern France as well. Now, Soen, this Celtic holiday, uh, occurred... Interestingly enough, you want to take a guess when? Uh, sometime around the fall. The last day of October. Nailed it. Boom. Uh, the, the festival, so when it celebrated the kind of the finality of, of summer and also kind of the harvest that would take place in the fall. So it, it kind of it, it marked the conclusion of summer and the harvest um, within the next day, November 1st, um, traditionally marking kind of the beginning of what was perceived to be, and again, 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. the cold, dark winter. So, so it's like a harvest festival kind of a... Very much so. It's a transitional holiday. So when Celtic origins, um, interestingly enough, this time of year and these type of pagan customs and traditions were also associated uh, with human death. Um, it got cold. It's snowy. You didn't go outside. Uh, things get lonely. The land is kind of dying around you for the, the season. The land is dying. Um, and because of the, the lack of, of warmth, there were a lot of deaths. And your, uh, your, your, your families are kept inside. Diseases are easy to be passed along. Mm-hmm. A lot of people died in the wintertime um, in, the, in the ancient cultures. Now, the Celtic people believed that on this particular night, the holiday of Soan, October 31st, something else happened. Because again, we are transitioning from the summer and the harvest to the darkness and the winter, that the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred, and the ghosts of your ancestors would return to earth. Um, this would explain why on this night, October 31st, in the, in the evening, um, <clears throat> the Celtic people, they would light bonfires. It was a big thing that they would do. Uh, they would wear costumes to confuse their ancestors. So, you know, the ghosts of their ancestors are trying to haunt you. But if they don't know it's you, how can they find you? So you would wear costumes. That's a life hack for family reunions. It's a life hack for family <laughs> reunions. Yes, it is. Wear costumes. So that your relatives don't know who you no are. No one knows who you are. So they would wear costumes. And then also, um, and, and again, you know, it's hard. Like you could read it. 10, 15 different articles, and you're going to find different variations of all of this right. stuff. Uh, but they would, at least according to lore, would carve scary faces into pumpkins or vegetables um, aimed at warding off or scaring away the ghosts. Interesting. So this line between the living and the dead on Soen, it's blurred. And so we have kind of the origins of some of these various customs. Um, inner Christianity, Roman Empire, merging of the church and the state. Um, as with most of the holidays we have today, things adopted predominant within Christendom. Christianity spreads, uh, it begins to gain a foothold in pagan communities. The Celtic people uh, mm-hmm. in like 50 AD get dominated by the Roman Empire. Um, 
long story short, um, church leaders wanting to kind of temper the pagan elements of sowing, uh, because these people are, are becoming Christians, but they're now also continuing to practice kind of these traditional... Uh, these they're balancing tradition- their new religion and their old culture. And their old culture, their old traditions, what they've been doing for generations. Uh, so they wanted to take sowing and kind of rebrand it, recast it as a Christian celebration. So in the 8th century, uh, Pope Gregory Third, and this is similar to kind of the origins of Easter... Uh, also very similar to um, Christmas. Halloween has a similar story. So 8th century, Pope Gregory III takes Sowen and he kind of rebrands it as a time to honor all of the saints. In fact, there was a holiday that already existed that was called All Saints Day. Uh, It was a time where you celebrated the martyrs typically occurred in May, he moved the celebration to October 31st, November 1st, so in, and the traditions of the two uh, began to merge. Now, one of the things that's interesting about the merger of their traditions is, ironically, All Saints Day and so in uh, had a lot of overlap in some of their customs. Um, For example, All Souls Day, like so in, was celebrated with big bonfires, um, parades, uh, they would dress up in costumes. Uh, they would dress up as their favorite saints. Uh, you know, gotcha. their old-timing saints. They would also dress up as angels. Um, even some customs of dressing up as demons. That, that's all related to All Saints Day and not even sewing. Um, the evening before November 1st, or kind of the All Saints Day, was known as All Hallows' Eve, which would then later, uh, kind of in the etymology of the word, become... Halloween. Crunched down into one word. Exactly. So Halloween, it's got a 2,000-year origin, gets blended with uh, this Christian celebration of All Saints Day, where we celebrate and recognize the martyrs, which, by the way, I think is a good thing, um, recognizing the martyrs. Um, And uh, pertaining to Halloween in America, you know, a lot of these things, and we've we've talked about this in regards to Christmas, a lot of our Christmas traditions um, have no origins um, and paganism, nor do they have origins in Christianity. Um, they're uniquely kind of um, like Americana. Right. Halloween, it's, it's kind of a very similar um, development. Um, Halloween began 19th century. Um, you had Irish and Scottish immigrants flooding the New World. As such, within their communities, their unique communities... They would take October 31st, what they would call Halloween. It's not like a national thing, but located in these particular communities. They would have a day of, of family activities, carving jack-o'-lanterns, gatherings, costumes, eating sweet treats, etc. A trick-or-treating, which also would take place, is um, believed to have derived from actually the, the ancient Irish practice. On the night leading up to Sowen, they would do what was called mumming. Um, it was a practice where you would put on a costume, go door to door, singing songs to the dead. Um, cakes were then given uh, as payment, um, like Christmas caroling, but Halloween, and you get rewarded. And you get rewarded, <laughs> but you're singing songs to the dead. In the late 1800s, there was kind of a more formal move um, in America to mold Halloween into a holiday uh, that was geared towards community neighborly get-togethers, more so than about ghosts and goblins and pranks and witchcraft. Um, At the turn of the century, um, now getting into the 19th century, Halloween parties 
started kind of popping up uh, for children, adults. Uh, it became kind of a common way of celebrating the day. These type of parties would, would focus on games, uh, foods um, of the season, uh, festival costumes, uh, bobbing for apples, uh, things of that nature. Now, um, wrapping up kind of the history here, uh, between 1920 and 1950, um, the century-old practice of trick-or-treating kind of reemerged. So um, as Halloween was, was dominating American culture, seeping its way into the culture, trick-or-treating was set to the side. But mm-hmm. trick-or-treating did emerge. In, in, and what's interesting about it, you wanna, the 20s and the 50s. So what's happening in America during that time period? The suburbs are becoming a thing. People well, are moving out of the cities and into like, uh, what is a typical nuclear family Americana life? Okay, that's true. That's true, but you've also had uh, the 20s were, were coming right off of, of World, World War, War I. I, and then you get into the 30s and the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression. You get World War II. Um, it's not until the 50s that you kind of get uh, the economy back on good footing. What's interesting That's is true. that it was during difficult economic times that trick-or-treating became an inexpensive way for an entire community to enjoy Halloween while at the same time sharing the costs for the candy. Um, And so that's how the American tradition was born. Um, It's how it continued today. Now, uh, the history of Halloween, again, this episode happening, uh, however you're listening, before Halloween, um, I'm going to, when we come back from the break, I want to share some interesting stats about Halloween, kind of how it's come to dominate our culture. Uh, I want to talk about Christian strategies uh, for how we handle Halloween, my unique experiences, the way our church approaches it. Got a huge caveat. Um, and then we'll kind of wrap things up by me giving some practical advice on how you and your family should handle Halloween. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on the Outlaw Radio Show. One of the most important visions of the Outlaw Radio Show is our desire to challenge you to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then pursue answers on your own. The sad reality is many Christians fail to reflect Christ because they don't know what they believe or why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to the Outlaw Radio Show tackling tough topics you might not hear at church, it is our desire to equip, inspire, and challenge you to dig into God's Word and wrestle with these complex topics on your own. To help you in this important process, we want you to check out blueletterbible.org. It would be an understatement to say that this website will transform the way you study the Bible. In fact, it will revolutionize it. Aside from their treasure trove of free online commentaries, blueletterbible.org also has an incredible word search function, making it super simple to dive into the original language behind a text. So if you want to dig deeper into your study of scripture and in the process, learn and grow, we encourage you to check out blueletterbible.org today. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. Now, before we get back to Halloween, I just want to let you all know that one of the most important aspects of Outlaw Radio is our desire to connect with you, the audience. If you have any questions about something said on the show, want to challenge an opinion you didn't like, which I get, or would like to submit topics you'd like Zach or I to address in future episodes, literally nothing is off limits. Nothing. Nothing is off limits. (laughs) Nothing at all. There are a couple of ways for you to reach us. If you're a fan of email, we are at info at outlawradio.org. Facebook, we are The Radio Outlaw. And on Twitter, we are at Radio underscore Outlaw. And, and again, the easiest way 
to get in touch with us would be uh, through email. Um, I know it's kind of an, an old school way, an old school, new school way of communicating, but it is uh, the most simplistic. As Creighton said, we are uh, talking about Halloween, mainly because this is very relevant. This is the episode uh, before Halloween. Um, in our first block, I talked about the history of Halloween, and I really did so because I didn't know a lot of the history, and kind of knowing uh, its origins, how it kind of blended in uh, with Christianity. Yes, the origins of Halloween, Sowen, uh, very much pagan um, in, in practice. You can understand a lot of the, the, the mystical elements of it. You can understand why these ancient communities um, would take time to celebrate the conclusion of summer and the harvest, but also to prepare themselves for the dark winter um, that was on the horizon. Again, these mystical elements of ghosts and spirits, ancestors returning, um, how that ties in with some of the practices. What, what's important to point out is that there are other elements of Halloween that are not pagan. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, that they're they are tied directly to uh, a Christian celebration, uh, All Saints Day, All Souls Day, as it's also referred to. Um, again, a time of celebration. A lot of the, 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 the practices were, were similar, um, and yet taking time to recognize the martyrs, those who have died for the faith. Again, there's a lot of death, <laughs> uh, a lot of um, dark elements to this, but not all of it's pagan, not all of it's Satan worship. Uh, there is um, some historical evidence uh, that, that tempers a little bit of our, our fear and phobia uh, about, about Halloween. And then you tie it into... Um, the non-spiritual or religious elements and how just this um, America being a, a melting pot of immigrants bringing various customs, how these things mold and mild together. Um, it is a unique thing. I don't believe uh, many of the other cultures within the world uh, celebrate uh, Halloween like we do in much the same way that there's not a lot of other uh, cultures that celebrate Christmas the same way uh, that we do. So a lot of these holidays are just kind of, again, rooted in, in, in Americana. Uh, let me share you share with you, Creighton, some stats, which is just mind-blowing. I love mind-blowing stats. Mind-blowing about Halloween. According to the National Retail Federation's annual survey, so this is kind of like a legit, legitimate organization that uh, documents and tracks retail sales, statistics, stats, trends, whatnot. Um, Halloween retail spending in 2018, you want to take a guess at how much money was spent on Halloween in America last year? On like, does that include candy, costumes, everything. decorations? Everything related to Halloween. Quarter of a trillion dollars. I'm very bad at money. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Nine billion. Okay, I'll take that. It's, That's it's still a, a lot. Yeah, not a quarter of a, of a trillion, but... Still nine billion. What it would a quarter of a trillion? That's two hundred and fifty billion dollars. No, we're not. Seems like a lot. That's yeah. that's quite a bit. No, nine billion dollars was spent on Halloween in, in twenty eighteen. My goodness, making it the country's second largest commercial holiday after Christmas. Like more than Valentine's Day, which kind of blew my mind, or the Fourth of July, or Thanksgiving. It's Christmas, and then it's Halloween. Wow. Uh, the twenty eighteen numbers were, in fact, a little less than 2017's record of uh, $9.1 billion. Uh, in 2018, um, Americans spent an astounding $86.79 per person on Halloween. $86 per person? $86 per person on Halloween wow. uh, last year. Um, 175 million Americans... 
uh, say that they'll be celebrating Halloween in 2019. 175 million. That's that's half the population. Right. Um, 90% of Americans uh, plan to buy candy. Um, that's spending $2.6 billion on candy. Jeez. 75% spend money on Halloween decor. Uh, that's $2.7 billion. You know, decorations for the house, inflatables, right. spooky things. Uh, the most expensive part, which shouldn't be a surprise of Halloween, is the costumes. 70% of Americans will spend money on costumes, totaling $3.2 billion. It's a lot of money that we My spend. goodness. That we spend on Halloween costumes. $3.2 billion. Like it, it places it in context, like when the government really starts complaining about like what we spend money on and <laughs> we can't spend money on this and that, where it's like, yeah, we spend $2.6 billion on candy for on one night. Yeah, yeah on, not on American candy, on candy for Halloween. <laughs> this is fun. The top five costumes for adults, which let me share with you just kind of a pet peeve. I think it, that there should be like an, an age restriction on wearing costumes. On wearing costumes. Um, on Halloween. Now, th- there might be other, you know, other manifestations of adult wearing costumes that are completely appropriate. But on Halloween, this is a kid's night, kind of a family affair. Um, I-, I will say, like, I'm kind of a hardliner on the fact that adults should not wear costumes on Halloween, except for that one year uh, where our buddy Joe, who's like 60 years old, showed up. <laughs> Dressed as as Walter White Heisenberg from the the show Breaking Bad, like skull cap, bald goatee, the whole bit, and fantastic. That was pretty fantastic. So, top five costumes for adults. You want to take any stab at all? No, no okay. I don't know that I could. Okay, um, in no particular order. Um, witch, a witch, naturally. Um, and there's a lot of ladies that don't even have to dress up to accomplish that. Um, You're, uh, you like to live dangerously. Uh, don't don't you? A vampire. That's two. A zombie. Mm-hmm. Um, pirate, which I don't quite. But your pirate costume is—I don't have time for a costume. And I'm going to so, wear boots and an overcoat. I'm going to try to dress shirt. up like Johnny Depp and Pirates of the Caribbean and, and wear some mascara. Uh, the last one is Avengers characters for adults. This is adults. <laughs> top five. So here are the top five costumes for children. And again, th- none of these really should be a surprise. Uh, a princess costume. Yep. A superhero, kind of a generic mm-hmm. superhero. Batman kind of makes it on his own, which I'm, I guess means he's not a superhero. Well, he's technically not super, but he's, I guess that's really a conversation for a split, different podcast. We're splitting hairs. Uh, but, you know, he's listed separately from superheroes. Right. Star Wars characters. Nice. Um, and witch. Um, <laughs> again, which I just... It's kind of mind-blowing. One of the things that uh, when I was, I was digging through some stats... So, in 2018... 20% of Americans, 20% purchased costumes on Halloween for their pets. For their pets? Yeah, 20%. That's up 4% from 16% in, in 2017. And the most popular pet costumes were pumpkin, right. hot dog, a bumblebee, a little devil, and a cat costume for dogs. <laughs> that one's funny. <laughs> Which, the, the, the interesting thing is, so in the article, they, they kind of made the comment that the, of the 20%, um, they figure the majority of that grouping has to be millennials. I would say it's probably the one thing the millennial community has 
with like the the eighty and over single female crowd, like dressing yes. up their pets. Uh, see, there's a lot of similarities between the millennial crowd, the hipsters, knitting and the retirement there too. The retirement knitting, <laughs> the retirement home folks. Now, in, in regards to Christianity, um, there are a lot of different strategies. Like again, no question whatsoever, uh, Halloween is a big part of our society. Um, decorations, Home Depot, a whole section of Home Depot gets dominated. Already it's dominated mm-hmm. um, by Halloween decor. Um, quickly switched over to Christmas. We skipped Thanksgiving entirely. Um, Halloween is a big deal in America. Um, it's how we sell candy. It dominates our commercials. Um, pop culture, movies. We have a whole, whole segment of, of movies that come out specifically around Halloween. Mm-hmm. In the months leading up to Halloween, scary movies, a whole genre uh, surrounding this. So Halloween is part of America. It's part of America culture. You can't escape Halloween um, entirely, meaning that the church by and large has to deal with Halloween. And, and I came up with five different strategies that by and large Christianity, the American Christianity, the American church handles Halloween. Uh, we're not going to get to all of them here uh, in this block. So this will kind of carry us into uh, the next segment, but but number one, number one and two are related, but they have different motivations. First, there is uh, the Christian uh, presentation of an alternative right. for Halloween, such as um, a Hallelujah Fest, like a, a, a an intentional um, attempt to ignore Halloween and create a bona fide alternative. To it, okay. You got to take your kids someplace. You got to do something. Let's reject Halloween. Let's isolate, kind of, from that cultural deal. Let's have our own, you know, Hallelujah Fest type of event. Again, I'm not endorsing or knocking any of the strategies. I'm just articulating these are what they are. Um, there's a, the other alternative for Halloween, kind of the trunk or treat, which mm-hmm. takes Halloween. It's like, okay, we're not going to totally isolate from it, but we're going to utilize the opportunity. To outreach, mm-hmm. uh, I should add a little caveat that uh, the church I grew up in and that you grew up in, they do a Hallelujah Fest. It is an alternative, branded as an alternative for Halloween, but it's also marketed as an outreach to the community, right? Yeah. Which is one of the, the wonderful things. There, the, the neighborhood around gets flyers, gets invited. Um, it's not a, a complete separation from the world, but it is very much an alternative to Halloween. We're not doing Halloween. You don't have to go trick or treating to get a bunch of candy. As a matter of fact, come to our event and we'll we'll load oh, you. Oh yeah, candy. I always had a bunch of candy. It was awesome. So our our first strategy, the isolation and the outreach components, these one and two um, alternatives for Halloween. Now we'll come back. We'll talk about three more. If you're listening and you can't listen to this episode in its entirety, go to our website, which is outlawradio.org, and follow the links to subscribe to our podcast. This episode, all episodes are podcasted in their entirety. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. With Halloween just right around the corner, this is a really good episode for you to listen to and maybe even share with friends and family. Don't forget, you can do that at outlawradio.org. Zach and Creighton will be back in a moment discussing more about how Calvary 316 uh, celebrates Halloween, how they use it as an outreach in their community, and how you can too. So don't go anywhere. Come back for the second half of the Outlaw Radio Show.
You're listening to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams and special guest Creighton Vaughn. Today they're talking about Halloween and how it can be used as an outreach. Here's Zach. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. We're talking today about Halloween. Uh, During our break, Creighton, you actually shared something with me about trick-or-treating in specific, kind of unique to, to your own story. You want to share that with the audience? So how old are you? Oh, I am uh, 26 and a half, um, and I have never been trick-or-treating in my entire life. So in your entire life, you've never gone trick-or-treating. You've never like, no. gone trick-or-treating without your parents even knowing? No. You've just never gone never trick-or-treating? Never gone trick-or-treating. Because up until I was able to drive, it was my mom's choice of where I would go, and we'd go to the Hallelujah Fest at the church I grew up in. Um, because she's not a fan of Halloween. Not a fan I, of Halloween. No, it freaks her out. So this is a good segue because we're talking about kind of the, the Halloween is here to stay. It's a big part of American culture. Uh, how does the church deal with it? How, does Christ, how do Christians mm-hmm. handle Halloween? And so there is the direct alternative for Halloween that's kind of isolationally driven. There's also just the, the alternative for Halloween that's outreach driven. There is thirdly what I'm going to call the misdirection strategy. <laughs> Okay. So these are the churches that really don't want to take a stance for or against Halloween, uh, but they also want to kind of maximize the marketing opportunity of reaching the community, um, getting their name out into the community, uh, doing a, a benefit to the community. And so they just hijack like the Saturday before or after Halloween right. to do their fall festival. So, you know, they, it's the misdirection. Uh, we're not going to provide an alternative. We're just going to uh, do our own thing on a different day, which at that, that point... That serves basically the same purpose. And, and in our neck of the woods, you're going you're gonna to just pick the Saturday where the Georgia Bulldogs aren't playing. Right. So you're going <laughs> to avoid um, any type of, of conflicts. Uh, there is um, also number four, what I would call kind of the full-blown embrace of Halloween. And I think that that should be, be, be mentioned. There are Christians who uh, have always, they grew up trick-or-treating. It was not a thing. There was not a stigma to it. Their parents trick-or-treated. They trick-or-treat. They take their kids trick-or-treating. Uh, they have their own kind of unique family traditions with that. Mm-hmm. Um, meals, going out into the community. My neighborhood has, has a whole unique thing. Um, it that, sure does that. That plays into that, which we'll get to in a minute. But, but there, are, there are Christians who are like, I don't need an alternative. Um, I don't think that this is about witches and demons. Um, I think this, this is just kind of a, a real carefree, fun opportunity to go out and do something with my kids and get some candy and have some fun and sugar them up so they crash and go to bed and my wife and I can watch a movie. I mean, it's, it's, right. th- there is a segment, I would say probably a large segment of our, of our Christian population uh, that does, doesn't care, you know, doesn't mm-hmm. see an issue. This is not on their radar so to speak. And then finally, uh, there are those um, that full, like fully see Halloween as a ministry opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much as we're going to have an, an outreach where you have to come to uh, our church to participate in it, um, but there are churches that have organized outreaches that go into neighborhoods and into communities um, that reverse trick-or-treat where you go and you're giving something to the person you, you, you walk up to the door and you, you pass out tracks and, mm-hmm. um, and that you really use, utilize the opportunity to get out into the community um, and engage in ministry to be light into the world. Now, you and I have similar stories 
Um, yes. We both grew up at the same church. Um, I was uh, the first generation of Calvary Chapel kids that participated in the Hallelujah Fest. The Hallelujah Fest at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain was designed and crafted to be an alternative for Halloween. We got more right. candy than our, our neighborhood friends that went trick-or-treating. We never worried about it, never thought anything of it. I also never went trick-or-treating. Right, yeah. We went to the Hallelujah Fest. It was our alternative. That's not to say that, that my parents or our church was judgmental towards those that would trick-or-treat. In fact, um, from the pulpit, it was encouraged, hey, if you have your own traditions, why don't you come hang out with us first? And then, and then, and then, go, do and then go do your thing, and they would reach out to the community and whatnot. So I don't, I don't want to like mischaracterize the way that we grew up because it was a good thing. I have so many fond memories um, of, of the Hallelujah Fest. I grew up doing the Hallelujah Fest when I was a youth pastor. It was my job to organize volunteers for the Hallelujah yep. Fest. All the way up, truth be told, we, we even launched Calvary 316. I still lived close to Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. And so for Halloween, we had Quincy... Mm-hmm. We would take him to the Hallelujah Fest. We weren't even home uh, with the church, Calvary 316. We were too small to do something. So we encouraged our folks to come to the Hallelujah Fest at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. The, the last time I was at the Hallelujah Fest was October of 2014. And the reason I know that date is because October of 2015 was my first night in my new home That's here right. in my neighborhood, which is about eight minutes from the church. Now, I need to kind of set up the story here. We were talking about whether or not we would go to Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain for the Hallelujah Fest. Quincy, I think at the time, is three. Theodore's one. Mm-hmm. We've just moved into the house. Now, I should, I should classify. We had just moved into the house. So we were moving in the weekend of Halloween. Halloween fell on the 31st. And so that Friday and that Saturday, we were moving into the house with Halloween uh, rapidly approaching. We just didn't have time uh, to get across town to my dad's church mm-hmm. for the Hallelujah Festival. And the next morning, I had to, to, to teach at Calvary 316 and then catch a flight to Cuba for our first Cuba mission trip. That was a busy weekend. It was a very busy weekend. So the... the the ability for us to go to Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain for the Hallelujah Fest, it just wasn't going to work that year. My mom even offered, I'll come get the kids, but this was the last night I was going to get to see them. There was a big Georgia football game on that night. <laughs> now, at our closing, the lady that owned our house gave me a little bit of a warning. She says, has anyone told you about Halloween? And I was like, well, um, I know I live in a, America. I know what holiday. It's the 31st of October. She was like, no, 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 no. About our neighborhood and Halloween. I was like, no, please enlighten me. So the neighborhood that I live in, we live in a rural area. My neighborhood is 311 homes and has been around for 20 years, mm-hmm. meaning that in the entire county around our neighborhood, we're the biggest neighborhood, rural area, if you want to go trick-or-treating, you come to my neighborhood. <laughs> and so the entire county comes to the Providence Club to go trick-or-treating, so much so that police officers man the front entrance of the neighborhood directing traffic. It's a zoo. She told me, she was like, you need to be prepared because there will be a lot of people. And in my mind, I've never been home. Okay. I've never even been home for Halloween, yet alone like having the anxiety of people showing up to my house and I need to give them something. (laughs) So I told the church, hey, this is the deal. There's apparently a bunch of people going to be there. I need some help with the candy. So some people kind of donated some candy so I'd have something to give out because we're in the middle of moving in. 
um, had a, a family in the church come over to help us. That night, I've never seen anything like it. It was like Disneyland. We're the 10th house on the left in the neighborhood. So we're in the front of the neighborhood. And literally, it was Disneyland. Pe- people in the thousands. I, it's you crazy. couldn't get into the neighborhood. If you ordered pizza, they would fu- refuse to bring it into the neighborhood. You'd have to walk and meet them. People got golf carts, bringing in buggies. Uh, it is, there's a hayride at some there's point. There's hayrides. It's, it's absolutely bonkers. I gave away every bit of candy we had, and then I gave away all my kids' candy. <laughs> Just, and then we ran out and had to turn the lights out, and that was it. Now, that got me thinking. Because, again, this is the first time in my life I've been home for Halloween. But right. I was home, and it blew me away. And again, I have a unique situation. The entire county comes to my door one night a week. Mm-hmm. What an incredible evangelistic opportunity. Right. So immediately as I'm standing there that night, seeing all this happen, this idea hits me. And so for the last several years, what we've done as a church is instead of having like a, an alternative to Halloween at our facility, and we're in an industrial park, no one would find us. And so instead of inviting the community to come to us for an event, we literally go into the community and have our event in the midst of the people. Literally, we set up in my driveway, bounce house, we have face painting, hot cocoa, hot dogs, candy. We've got posters advertising for the church. It's a madhouse. People from the church come to my house to facilitate this. And we We, witness to people, we minister to people, we have fun with people. Um, It's our own unique thing. One of my favorite things about it is that in order to deal with the amount of people that we have, we have to get more people from the church than will fit in your driveway. So we take over your neighbor's driveways so they park our cars (laughs) there. Yeah. Because you can't park on the streets because all of the cars are already there. We tell our people you have to get there by 5 because by 5.30 people start showing up. This year, we're actually taking it one step further. So we've, we've made, and again, our church is being very intentional on the opportunity. This is the one night of the year that the world comes to your door. You right. have an opportunity. You don't go door-to-door evangelism. This is everyone comes to your door evangelism. So what we've created is actually a, a baggie with all of the church information professionally done that will fill with candy and a flyer and a track. It's sealable. Not only will we have these at my house that we're going to give out to everyone that comes uh, into the Providence Club for, for, for Halloween, uh, but we're, we're going to make 500 of these packets and we're making them available to the folks in our church that are not coming to my house to have it their house so that they can evangelize and tell people about Jesus in our church from their doorstep. So we're running out of time. Don't go anywhere. We're going to conclude these thoughts here with the Outlaw Radio Show. Did you know beyond the unique content of the Outlaw Radio Show, Pastor Zach Adams also has an extensive teaching archive available online for free? If you love to study the Bible, we encourage you to check out c316.tv. Currently, Pastor Zach is teaching verse by verse through the Gospel of John, but C316.tv also has video, audio, and sermon notes for the Gospel of Mark, the Book of Acts, Ephesians, Genesis, Philemon, Jonah, Philippians, as well as an in-depth study on the Olivet Discourse and Jesus' seven letters to the churches recorded in Revelation 3 and 4. 
with over 17,000 minutes of expositional Bible teaching and more than 2,775 pages of written sermon transcripts, C316.tv is a must-visit for any serious student of the Bible. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. We're talking about Halloween because this is... This is a relevant topic. Halloween is right around the corner. I do want to add a huge caveat to to our discussion. Um, yes, it's true that that there's an element of Halloween that's very much rooted in Americana. There's part of it that is has origins within Christianity and All Saints mm-hmm. Day and the celebration of martyrs. You can't overlook though that there is a pagan element. Like there is a danger within Halloween. And this is one of the the points that I think Christians have cause for concern with. There's a danger in the desensitizing of people to the supernatural world, things that are real. Like the Bible is clear that, that there are demons. Beyond that, Satan is very real and shouldn't be messed with a lot of the elements of Halloween that are rooted in ghosts and goblins and witches and the supernatural do kind of disturb me because it desensitizes to something that I believe is absolutely real and we should not trifle with. Like the Bible, in fact, presents many illustrations, examples of demons possessing people. And then that that demonic possession causing people to do not just violent things, but paranormal things. Mm-hmm. There is an element to Halloween that, that is dangerous, that is demonic, that we shouldn't be desensitized to. According to Scott Humphrey, who handles risk control for travelers' insurance, he says that crime-related claims rise on Halloween an average of 17%. Wow. It's amazing. According to Northeastern professor James Allen Allen Fox, he writes, the evening of Halloween on October 31st, violent crime is about 50% higher than on any other date during the year and twice the daily average. So there is a very dark element to Halloween that as Christians, like I get why you might not want your kids going door to door. There's some creeps out there. Mm. Providing an alternative, I get. We're not knocking that in, in any way. Do you realize um, the, the biggest crime increase in Halloween? You want to take a guess, stab at what it is? Um, it probably has something to do with alcohol. <laughs> Boom! Alcohol-related offenses. Called it. Uh, biggest increase on Halloween. Now You know, the kid's holiday. The kid's holiday. <laughs> the parents are getting hammered. And, And driving and drinking and DUI, DWIs, things of that nature. Now, I want to close out our time together by kind of giving you four practical bits of advice pertaining to Halloween. Okay. So I I think these are applicable, yes, to parents, maybe primarily. Um, I don't know what you millennial singles do with your time. Not a whole lot. Not a (laughs) We're pretty lazy. I work and sleep mostly. Uh, okay. So if you're a parent, Christians, if you're trying to, to just, how do I navigate Halloween? Here's four things, four tips from me. And again, there might be more. Uh, you might disagree with some of them. If you do, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, number one, 
this is an opportunity to have fun with your kids. It's a night to have fun with your kids. And I don't know if you're like me, but we live in such a hectic, crazy, fast-paced culture that the world doesn't really afford you too many of those opportunities. Like times where the world's like, you know, you should go home and spend the time with your family. Yes, Christmas is one of those. Thanksgiving is one of those. People have to work on Good Friday. Good Friday is not even recognized as being one of those opportunities. People don't work on the 4th of July. But Halloween is one of those unique opportunities where the world kind of pauses and says, yeah, go home. Go home early from work and spend time with your family. It is a built-in opportunity, an excuse to go hang out with your children. So if your kids want to go trick-or-treating or if you want to go to a Hallelujah Fest, whatever you're going to do, consistent with your own conscience about these things, go with your kids Mm -hmm. and have fun with your kids and play with your kids. Maybe don't dress up with them. That's weird. (laughs) But at the same time, have fun. And in the process of doing that, not only are you making memories with your children, but you're keeping them safe in the process. Don't let your kids go out alone. Even if they're teenagers, I'm telling you that they don't want... Follow at a distance. There are a lot of weirdos and creeps that roam the streets on Halloween. Number two... I would use Halloween as an opportunity to get to know your neighbors. Again, this is one of those natural opportunities where everyone leaves the house and mingles. And as Christians, we're to be the salt and the light of the world. And and this is an easy way to get to know your neighbors. If your kids are wanting to go to a Hallelujah Fest, don't just take them by themselves. Invite the neighbor kids to go with you Mm -hmm. and that family. Again, this is just everyone's going to do something. So why not use it as an opportunity to do things with one another, to build community and relationships Uh, with your neighbors. Um, Again, in my dynamic, that kind of goes to an extreme because all of my neighbors come (laughs) out and and it's just a wonderful time, not just kind of to raise your profile in the community, but just to build relationships, to build a rapport. For us, we're we're doing a service outreach into Mm -hmm. our neighborhood um, and that's communicating kind of all of the right lessons. Number three, look for creative ways to shine the light of the world into the darkness, to shine the, the light of Jesus into a world, a, a, a world and a holiday that is about darkness, right. however you want to look at it. The bridge between the living and the dead, between life and death. It's an opportunity to shine a light, to be a witness, to have meaningful conversations. Now, I'm not saying that you, you do what I do and run an inflatable and get the whole church on board doing face painting and whatnot. But again, look for creative ways. If you're going to stand at the door, when those kids come up and knock, instead of turning the lights out and yelling, get away, open the door and give them good candy mm-hmm. and tell them that, that Jesus loves them. You don't have to trick or treat. This is about God's grace. God's given me so much, and so I'm giving this to you freely. You don't have to do anything to earn it or deserve it or warrant it or merit it, but you people are coming to you. And so tell them about Jesus. So one, have fun with your kids. Number two, use it as an opportunity to get to know your neighbors. Number three, look for creative ways to shine the light of the world into the darkness. And then number four, and this has to be said, Christian, I think you should reject incorporating the demonic in whatever way you happen to. Uh, to celebrate Halloween. If you're going to go to a a, a local Hallelujah Fest, a a local event at the church, or this, that, or the other, instead of trick... Don't let your kids dress up like ghosts and goblins and witches. Mm. Beyond that, if you're going trick-or-treating, 
which my kids do, full disclosure. We don't let them walk up and say trick or treat. Like there's something kind of twisted about the whole, the whole idea that I'm going to trick you if you don't give me a treat. I'm going to do something to harm you or you can pay me off and I won't. Like the entire concept um, is warped, it's twisted. So I don't have a problem going door to door and, and asking for candy, but just ask for candy. Right. Say, hey, can you give me some good candy? I'm here. I would like some. Like you don't, I, I don't want to trick you. And as a matter of fact, I like you. You're my neighbor. Hopefully you got some good stuff. So reject. Reject incorporating the demonic. Also jack-o'-lanterns. Uh, scary faces. Again, we also carve pumpkins, but we do it in a different way. We don't set it on the front stoop to scare away demons. We do it as a nightlight. We draw crosses and other things. Again, you can redeem these elements, but Some also recognize things. Recognize that there are darker things at play. And as Christians, I think we should resist um, incorporating them. You got anything to add, Creighton? I don't. I don't have kids. You don't have kids. But it is interesting. It is interesting. Halloween. Well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. If you liked what you heard, I want to encourage you to do two things. Uh, first, contact your local Christian radio station and thank them that they're carrying Outlaw Radio and programming that's similar um, in your community. Second thing, go to our website, outlawradio.org. From the site, you can easily access our podcast. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. You can listen to this episode in its entirety and all previous episodes. We're on Twitter at Radio underscore Outlaw. Our email is info at outlawradio.org, or you can follow us via facebook.com slash Outlaw. Once again, I'm Zach Adams, joined by Creighton Vaughn. Y'all have wonderful evenings or days, depending on when you're listening. I hope you join me this time next week for more of the Outlaw Radio Show. You've been listening to the one and only Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams.
Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions. 